Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf. This week we're talking about a team event. It's the Zurich Classic of New Orleans and we will give you our full re-ranked field in just a little while. But first up, it was the RBC Heritage at Harbour Town Golf Links in Hilton Head and Elk Stuart Sink winning the event for the third time and becoming the only player this season to have two wins under his belt after taking the Safeway Open at the end of 2020. I mean, amazing for Stuart and his son Reagan on the bag. Yeah, I, I, uh, we talked, of course, last week about um, Stuart Sink being our sort of our sizzler pick last week, the one that we don't quite know why he plays so well at Hilton Head, but it was really clear to me by watching the golf yesterday why he plays so well. I think he was first in driving distance and first in driving accuracy. Obviously, he's very comfortable around this golf course, but having your son, I talked about it on the show last week, having your son caddying for you, and his son is so positive. And I actually called a couple of my players, Diane or our players, and talked to them about, well, we know that Stuart Sink finally hasn't got his swing fixed. He's doing this with a superior attitude. And what is that attitude? Seems to me like he's not bothered by any bad shot. He had one ball that came up against a stick. Looked like anything could have happened. He just calmly played the shot up to the green, made his four and went on. It He has the best attitude, the best, most positive outlook, and he's doing it with his son and he's making it look easy, Diane. I was thinking that if you were um, partaking in some adult beverages and watching the golf on Sunday and you had to take a drink every time they mentioned his son Reagan was on the bag or that he was 47 years old or the calabogie sound, <laughs> like that would have made for a, a bit of a tipsy day. But I mean, as you say, he had a he had a strategy. We, we talked about the fact that this is a very strategic golf course and Pete Dye course. He really wanted you to play the axis on many holes and as you illustrated in your drawings this week. And Stuart Sink obviously had that strategy nailed and he wasn't going to go away from that. 
Yeah, it seems, you know, we, we're playing this week at TPC New Orleans, uh, another Pete Dye golf course. We've learned a lot about Pete Dye in the last month or so. The Players' Championship, of course, is one of his famous, but none are, none's more famous than Hilton Head. And Hilton Head became a bigger, greater test when all the big oaks started to encroach into the design and it made it even more strategic. We see in these players and we watch it on the TV how narrow the corridors are. And here we have one of the biggest hitters, one of the big free swingers, Stuart Sink, just playing it to perfection. You know, we were right, I must say, Diane, with a lot of other picks and you can tell us who they were because they were all right there. But Hilton Head does favor a style of play and that's a straight hitter. Well, for one thing, we did have Stuart Sink as a sizzler. And when we looked at him at the start of the week, he was 225 to 1. And you had said on the show on Monday morning that you couldn't believe that he was 225 to 1. I've had tweets from people who watched our show and got him at 175 to 1 when it went live on the Wednesday. So, I mean, that's perfect. It's great that we're helping people win a bit of cash. But as you say, you know, we also picked out Corey Connors, who ended up finishing in a tie for fourth. Matt Fitzpatrick, he finished in a tie for fourth. Chris Kirk was seventh alongside Colin Morikawa. Webb Simpson, the defending champion, finished in a tie for ninth. So, yeah, we had a really successful week when it came to our picks. Yes, we are. And, of course, Diane, uh, TPC Louisiana, this golf course I know very well. I was co-designer of this course with Pete Dye. Got some wonderful stories about, you know, when we did this golf course, what was he trying to do? What, how was he trying to trick the players on this particular course? We know Pete has always got a bag full of tricks for players. We've seen it at the Players' Championship. We see it at Hilton Head, and he has a few here as well. This week's interesting, Diane. We've taken statistics that we think that are going to be very important to do well in this format, and it's going to be obvious to some when we start to break down uh, who we like in this event because they're so good together. That That's part of the fun of this, of this event. It's the Zurich Classic of New Orleans and it's a team event. So you have guys that go out in pairs. Last year, because of COVID, it didn't happen. But in 2019, it was John Ram and our very own Secret Golf contributor, Ryan Palmer, who won. And that was the first win that Ryan Palmer had had on the tour since 2010 and the Sony Open. I remember talking to him and we were talking about the dynamic of him playing with John Ram, how the pairing came about. I think it was a case that Jordan wasn't playing and he had always been Ryan Palmer's lifelong partner. And Palmer just picked up the phone and asked John Ram and he said yes, and then they won it. So it's no surprise they're back together again this year. But there's got to be really cool backstories as to how some of these pairings come about. Of course. And of course, the format is interesting, Diane. The first day is best ball, which is, for me, to everyone, it's just both players play their own ball and the best score goes on the scorecard. Second day gets a little interesting. It's an alternate shot, which they only play one ball between them, and then they repeat that once the cut is made on Saturday and Sunday. So, Elk, as you said at the beginning, you co-designed TPC Louisiana with Pete Dye. So there's got to be some great stories involving that. So take us back to, you know, the year it happened and how it came about that you were going to be involved in this. Yeah, there were some players that were, you know, there's been tons of players that have been invited to join a, a co-designer to help, you know, keep an eye on the golf course designer, what the players may like. I mean, I didn't have a ton of input, but I was there every day that Pete Dye was. But the big challenge of New Orleans, Diane, of course, is, is it's below sea level. And 
when we got there, this place is a swamp. And I was so interested because I started horticulture and agronomy, uh, you know, in college. I was so interested as how Pete Dye was going to get this golf course to actually work. And one of the most interesting things that happened was that he built a moat around this golf course and lowered the water table off this piece of land with pumps and a, a, a system that would get that water off the golf course and make that little island feel like that it was above sea level. So it's 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 that was where we had to start with this course. It only has um, an elevation change of about plus or minus three feet. The bunkers can't be very low. The, the mounds can't be very high. So how did he make it tricky? It's all with the way he positioned everything and these crazy angles that Pete wants you to look at something and make you get scared of it and go away from it. And we're going to be talking about that a lot this week. If you were to pick one hole around CBC Louisiana that's your favourite hole, maybe the most challenging, the most interesting, which one would it be? Well, the 18th hole, Diane, is a par five that plays downwind and has the lake all the way down the right-hand side. And if a player was brave enough to take on the water all the way down the right, he could actually get to the green in two and possibly make an eagle. And if he didn't go down the right-hand side, we have him pinned off with some fairway bunkers down, uh, some cross bunkers, so he can't go way down there. So it, we wanted to make the last hole as dramatic as possible. Eagle or a six, a three-shot swinger. So I, I just think if the course, if the, you know, we've seen a lot of tournaments where, it, you know, a guy's got a one-shot lead. If you get a one-shot lead on TPC, it's not over. And for the past couple of weeks, you've been doing these drawings of kind of signature holes around the course. We did all 18 for Augusta National. We did four holes that really stood out around Harbour Town Golf Links last week. This week, you've drawn all 18 again because obviously you know them inside out and you can really go through that strategy and those design elements that Pete Dye always has in mind. Well, my goal with the drawings, Diane, I, I've drawn holes my whole life when I was a kid in, in school and got in trouble for it probably, but always designing holes. But I think the interesting part this week will be that I can tell you what the designer was trying to do to the player and I can tell you the way we try to play it. And I think people, we've had a lot of good feedback because we get so much feedback, oh, I didn't know that that was like that or I didn't know why they go over there or I didn't know Pete Dye was actually trying to do, you know, all these different comments and you know, it was just a, a luck of the draw thing. I put it, I put it down. It's like, okay, here's where we're trying to go. And here's what we're up against on this hole. And it's been very interesting. It's been good feedback. This week on the PGA Tour, it's the Zurich Classic of New Orleans at TPC Louisiana. Now, Steve Elkington, co-designer with Pete Dye. So when it comes to talking about this golf course and handicapping the field, I mean, let's be honest, we're joined by the best person to do that. Elk, um, obviously last week, Harbortown Golf Links was a Pete Dye course as well. And we talk about how important the angles are and strategizing the axis when it comes to playing a Pete Dye design. And, you know, that's going to be the same this week. It is, and we even throw in a, uh, a feature that's very familiar with Scottish golf, Diane, and that's the small pot bunkers. And <laughs> I remember Pete Dye's put these small bunkers. They're only Some of them are only two or, three, two or three feet across, and they're in the most precarious positions at times. And I remember, Diane, when we first built the course, and I remember Vijay Singh, who was the number one player in the world, he came in to me and he was furious about being in this small bunker two feet wide. He couldn't get his feet in it. He couldn't hit a shot out. 
And he was just psyched out about this little small bunker that was out there in the middle of the fairway. And I was relaying this over to Pete Dye, just feedback. And he looked at me and he said, you know, if I can get the number one player in the world, Vijay Singh, worried about a bunker from 300 yards away that's two foot across, then I'm the best designer that ever was because he was in his head on a very small bunker. And, you know, I never thought of it like that. But, of course, Pete Dye, Diane is always trying to intimidate you with the visual off the tee. He'll put a nasty-looking hazard and it'll make you want to go away from it. But the trick, and you'll see it when I, you see the drawings, is you've got to play tight to that trouble if you want to unlock all the Pete Dye courses. Okay, great. And all of those drawings we're going to have up on our Secret Golf social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we'll get them on our YouTube as well. Right, so we're going to get into our handicapping of the field. Um, what are the main stats that we're going to be looking at this week then for the Zurich Classic? Well, Diane, we've done something slightly different this week. Well, driving distance is, I think, the key on this course. You know, the long hitters do have an advantage proximity to the hole when you start to think about a team event who what team is excellent at getting the ball up by the flag scrambling okay uh putting they're going to have to hold a lot of putts and putting average so there's the big five what we did diane is we took the combination of the teams and squished their stats together and we've re-ranked it so we'll tell you who is the actual best putting team in the field best chipping team in the field and so on. Yeah, we had to really amalgamate all these stats this week, but it's definitely going to be worth it. One quick thing, because last week at Harbour Town, those are the smallest greens that we see on the PGA Tour. How do the greens here compare to the ones that we saw last week? Well, we talked about it a minute ago that there's not much elevation at all in New Orleans because of the, you know, the the elevation to sea level, but the wind on this golf course will be the decider this week, Diane, because of the angles off the tee, how windy it gets will, you know, make a difference of whether or not these players can get into these little corners where the greens are. Pete Dye, when the greens ran off, it wasn't enough for Pete to let the ball run down to a hollow. He wanted to run down and come back up on the other side so the player would have a downhill chip to a little uphill green. So Pete's a very, very sneaky, very tricky designer. Yes. Well, we're going to get into talking about the teams and coming in at number one in our re-ranking, no surprise whatsoever. These guys are the defending champions, but also when you look at how they're playing right now, it's the only place that they can go. John Ram and Ryan Palmer. Yeah, I mean, there's two ways I think about handicapping this event. One way, it's very easy. And that is that I can just look at the purest stats and who's the best driving team, who's the best putting team and all that. And I have to look at it, where is the opportunity for someone that's maybe a little down on the money list and he's playing with his buddy who's really a hot player? We'll see that on our top 10 this week. And can he draft up off his good player and pull him up the board, so to speak? But going back to Ram and Palmer, Diane, they're in the top five or six in four of these categories this week combined. So they're by far and away the favourite in this field as far as statistics go. Mm -hmm. And they both have got such good momentum. We talked about John Ram at great length for the Masters. He ended up finishing in a tie for fifth. He's a new father. So it was a special week for him. And we really went into that. And then Ryan Palmer, you know, talk about the Masters. He made the cut. He ended up finishing um, in the 30s somewhere. But 
Ryan is playing maybe the best golf of his career. And I think what really triggered it was the win in New Orleans a couple of years ago. I think that's where it all started back again for Ryan Palmer. Uh, you're right. He hits the ball great. Um, you know, him and Ram are, are uh, a great team together. They've won this tournament. They're number three. They're the number three team in driving distance. They're the number seven team in scrambling. They're number three team in putting. And if I had to take, if I had to take one stat for me and my partner, if I I played in this tournament many times, it was never a team event. I would want to be in the top three teams for putting and driving, like Ram and Palmer. That's what I'd want, Diane. <laughs> And all those lovely memories of a trophy two years ago as well. So top of our list, uh, defending champions, Ryan Palmer and John Ram. Our second team consists of Max Homa and Taylor Gooch. Homa won the Genesis Invitational at the start of the year. Taylor Gooch had a fantastic run at the players this year. When I saw this team, and I think Max Homa had tweeted about the two of them, I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. This could be a dynamic duo. Yes. And the reason you say they're dynamic duo is because they're both having great years. They're both very relaxed and they're both in form. They're the number two best putting team out there, Diane. I think dangerous players are ones that have got a money in the bank. They've got their exemption behind them. They're swinging well. They're hitting it well. There's no stress. We're going to talk down this list of players that have stress, and there's a different set of circumstances. Stuart Sink, we've already talked about. Great attitude. Who has a better attitude than Honma? I mean, these guys are going to be just settled when they get there, Diane. It's going to be all about playing their game. Okay, so Max Homa, Taylor Gooch coming in at number two. Our third team, this to me is a little bit of stress. <laughs> and I think when you look at Tony Finau and um, just the, uh, the maybe the kind of up and down season that he's had, he's had a lot of ups, but the downs have really come on that final day. And Yeah, Tony Finau and Cameron Champ are the most powerful team this week. Okay. They're, the number one, they're the number one driving team. I think this stat of the top 10 putting teams a little bit um, skewed because they're both not excellent in that category. However, that's where they rank this week in the top 10 at putting. It's pushed them up the board. Cameron Champ had a terrific Masters. Tony Finau had burst of energy at the Masters in a couple of different days. So those two combined, I'm feeling very good about those two guys. Maybe this is where Finau does a Ryan Palmer and drags off and gets, I don't know, but they're certainly one of the top teams. They, they deserve their top three pick this week. Well, they're top 10 in birdie average. The putting from 10 feet, they're ranked a lot higher than that. And that seems to be like the alarm bell ringing when it comes to Fino on a Sunday. <laughs> but, Sorry, I didn't have my glasses on. You are correct. They're in the top, they're the top. <laughs> Top birdie making team, but not so good for 10 footers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay, but maybe that can turn around. I think the other thing as well is that, um, and we saw it at the match play, the WGC a few weeks ago, is how players can really drive each other. I mean, in that event, they're trying to beat each other. But in this, you know, when they're playing as a team, they hopefully can find some magic and, and spur each other on when they need to. Well, the yes, you're right. And of course, the the trick of winning this tournament will be that tricky alternate shot event, yeah. the Friday and the Sunday, where there's only one ball between the two players, and Finau and um, 
and Cameron Champ both hit the ball the same distance. They got the same clubs, you know, as far as the distance. So, yeah, I think they're going to be fine. Okay. Coming in at number four, this is another interesting pairing, but both of these guys, great form right now. Brandon Grace and Harold Varner III. Uh, HV3, he finished really good at the RBC Heritage. And we know, because Bradley Hughes is his coach, and we know that they've been working on stuff for a long time. It was only a matter of time before it came together. And Brandon Grace has found this revitalized form as well, just getting a win not long ago. Brandon Grace had a tremendous win in Puerto Rico. Harold Varner just came off Hilton Head, another golf course just like this one uh, with a top five finish. So, yeah, these two guys, what I consider, uh, what I would have considered, Diane, an unlikely combination, one's from South Africa, one's from South Carolina. Um, but here they are together and they're both in form. So that's that's we're starting to talk about a different way to handicap the players this week. Mm -hmm. And solid. I mean, when you look at their team numbers, 24th in birdie average, 27th in proximity to hole, 30th in distance. Um, but as you say, you know, you put that all together with the fact that they're playing so hot right now and the unlikely team could be the one that really shocked people. Yeah, and I, you know, Varner is very interesting to me. We've seen Brandon Grace, he's a very straight hitter, but so is Varner. But Varner played very well yesterday under pressure, and I was interested to watch him. Some of the lines that he took, I remember seeing yesterday, he hit a tremendous shot on that super hard par three, number 14 at Hilton Head. He landed it right by the water, ran it up there like two feet. That tells me he's not afraid to aim it where he wants to go. And that's a big that's a big deal when you're playing courses with a lot of water and a lot of tricks. Okay. Then at number five, this is actually the top ranked team playing this week. And on paper, maybe not paper of late, but paper a few months ago at the start of the year, you would have put them at the top without a shadow of the doubt. Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley, we're putting them at number five this week. And well, we have our reasons. First up, do we think Shoffley is going to have some demons hanging over him from the final day at the Masters? Not sure if we're going to categorize his triple bogey, I'm assuming you're referring to on the 16th hole in the last round of Augusta as demons yet, but he did hook the ball to lose a tournament in Phoenix, Diane, and he said he hit this one straight, but it did go in the pond left at 16. This team is the highest ranked team combined on our board. However, Cantlay is off form, missed the cut terribly at the Masters, haven't seen him around much. Shoffley, where's his mind going to be after this? Is he still going to be forging ahead? Is he going to have to pick up Cantlay? They've shuffled back for me and you this week on our board back to number five. They're tremendously talented, gifted team, Diane, but who's going to show up? And their numbers are all fantastic. I mean, they're top five and three out of the five categories. The one that's screaming red is proximity to the hole and their team stats put them at 72nd. Yeah, you know, again, we've talked a lot about other things. You know, when we, we do our handicapping die and we take statistics, we just talked about that. We take current form and then we take how they play this golf course. So, And we also know that some of those categories, like Stuart Sink last week, he didn't have the best stats. He didn't have the tremendous form, but he played that course so well, and that pushed him way up, and that's why we picked him as our sizzler, and that's why he won. So it's all a bit of a 
dice roll Diane, as you know, but uh, maybe these guys will get some spicy food. Who knows? Elk, when you played this tournament, it wasn't a team event. If it was a team event back in the day when you played, who would you want to be your partner? That's a very good question. And no one's ever asked me that before, Diane. Um, I'd have to think about that. You know, I would I'd obviously want someone that was in super form that would drove it perfect, like Greg Norman or maybe Nick Price or maybe Ernie Els or BJ Singh. Those are just off the top of my mind. Uh, I would want to get the best player possible to try to win this tournament and get all those FedEx points and money. I tell you who is in the field this week, your buddy Rocco Media. He is playing this week. I saw Rocco's playing with Woody Austin. One of them must have been exempt or one of them got a sponsor invite and that let the other be invited. So that's good for them. They can do well here. They know this golf course. They know Pete Dye. One of the advantages about playing a Pete Dye golf course, as you've seen at Players' Championship, uh, you've seen at Hilton Head, it brings in a lot of players, Diane, because you can't overpower the golf course. You have to play it a certain way. And if you're not the longest hitter, you're still in the game. And the great thing about this tournament is, um, well, both players get 1.1 million. It's a two-year exemption. They get into all the invitationals, the tournament of champions, the players' championship, really everything apart from the Masters. So it really is, it's, it's counted as a full win pretty much. And I think Zurich has done a very nice job of separating themselves, Diane, at a very cool venue. The golf course is great. New Orleans is fantastic. But they have a team event, and I think that with the Ryder Cup this year, we're going to be watching exactly this format in the Ryder Cup. So I think it's tremendous. And i tell you who else will be looking at this will be Steve Stricker, who won yesterday on the Champions Tour. The captain of the, of the Ryder Cup team will be looking at who is going to play well this week. Okay, well, we're going through our re-ranked top 10. We've got John Ram and Ryan Palmer at number one, Homa and Gucci at two, Finau Champ at three, Brandon Grace and Harold Varner the third at four, and coming in at number five, Shoffley and Cantley. At number six, this would be a fun team. This would be the kind of team that you'd want to like go out for a drink with afterwards. Joel Damon and Lanto Griffin at number six. This will be team loose. <laughs> Damon just got his uh, first win uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I like this team, Diane. This this team reminds me a lot of uh, what we talked about earlier with Honma and Gooch. This is two good friends. Damon's just very loose player, playing very good golf at the moment. This is a this is one of the this is one of the chances I talked about of a of a friend drafting along of someone that's in super form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, as you say, Joel Damon getting that win, then uh, that momentum certainly is going to carry forward. And Lanto Griffin has been playing good. I mean, missed a cut at the Masters in last week, but I think apart from that, he's having a really solid season. At number seven, oh, you're going to be so big on this team, and I can't believe that you didn't push them up higher than this. Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman. Cameron Smith with the mullet, coming off a top 10 finish at the RBC Heritage last week. And Leishman, I mean, that finish at the Masters... These guys have got all the form in the world. They certainly do, Diane. Of course, you know how big I am on the Aussies, but Leishman is in form, just finished fifth at the Masters. Cameron Smith won this tournament uh, with Jonas Blix about three or four years ago, so he knows that course. And that combination for me, Diane, Cameron Smith, who's in form, was right there after two rounds at Hilton Head, faded a little on the weekend, playing good of this event before, Leishman in form, 
boom, this is going to be a great week for the Aussies. Yeah, I think so too. And they're, I mean, they're, they're buddies. They played a practice round together at the Masters a few weeks ago. There was pictures on social media. They've had President's Cup time together. So yeah, I'm so big on Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman too. Coming in at number eight, well, a guy who performed so well at the WGC match play a few weeks ago that he won it. He also won this event in 2018 with Scott Piercy, not playing with him this year. Billy Horschel is teaming up with Sam Burns. This is a very powerful team, Diane. And the reason it's powerful, not because Billy Horschel just won the match play, but young Sam Burns, he's the local boy, played golf. He's from this area, grew up on this exact golf course, or close to it, knows everything about it. He will be the local favorite this week. Sam Burns is a powerful player. We saw him have a three-shot lead with 10 holes to go at the LA Open, hasn't got his first win. Will he draft off Billy Horschel's confidence and his ability and his experience to win? Will this be what he needs to drag him across the line the first time? We hope so. I would love to have Billy Horschel as my teammate because I think he would give the best like motivational chats and he would like keep you going throughout. <laughs> he seems to be that way. Right then, coming in at number nine, Victor Hovland and Chris Ventura. An interesting team. And this is another one of those situations where you've got one guy who could really pull the other one and pretty much change his whole entire life. Well, there's one reason I've got this in this spot, Diane, this is the number one putting team from 10 foot and outside. They're the best of anyone in the field combined. So this is another opportunity. We've talked about this at the top, which is how do you how do you handicap this field? Okay, Rahm and Palmer, easy. They're in the top five in all these stats, but this is a sneaky one. And this is Victor Hovland, who's a tremendous young man. He's doing great things on our tour. Chris Ventura has played enough good golf to not be daunted by this moment playing with his good friend, the number one putting team. I think these guys could get hot, Diane, and run up the board very quickly. Chris Ventura, um, as you say, they're both Norwegian and he's had two wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's had starts on the PGA Tour as well and his name has been there or thereabouts quite a few times, especially you know earlier this season. So we're going to have our eyes peeled for... Victor Hovland and Chris Ventura, without a shadow of a doubt. Then, finishing our top 10, Dylan Fratelli and Kevin Streelman. Another pairing that caught your attention right away. Yeah, well, I love Streelman. Uh, I think Streelman is a solid player. Uh, Fratelli, you were big on Fratelli. He didn't get off to a good start at the Masters, but this is another powerful team, Diane. They've got good stats. They're a great driving team. Uh, they, you know, they're just they're just solid all the way across the board, and I just think, how do you, you know, how do you handicap the back end of this where you sort of can give people an idea of who has a chance and what combination could work? There's a ton down here that you know that are not in form, but these two guys are in form enough, Diane, to just be quirky enough pairing to run up the board and uh, I would think that Shulman's game would fit this course well Dylan Fratelli hits the ball a mile and you had a great story about uh, was it Duffner that played with him recently 
he flew the ball on the ninth green, Diane, at Hilton Head, 335 yards. And, he, and Duff said if it didn't hit the sign over the back, it would have been in the parking lot down by the by the uh, the lighthouse, <laughs> the famous lighthouse. He said he hits it so far he couldn't believe it. So that's going to suit him well. Streelman's an experienced player. He'll keep the reins in and they will get him around this golf course. This is a very dynamic pairing. So we've gone through our re-ranked top 10 for this team event and we're going to give you some sizzlers. Elk, one team that we haven't mentioned so far is that of Colin Morikawa and Matthew Wolf. Now, Morikawa didn't have a great Sunday at uh, the RBC Heritage. I felt like the announcers were slamming him every minute because there was nothing really going right for him, especially on the greens. He's teaming up with Matt Wolf. These guys came out on tour at the same time and really have been seen as kind of like the golden boys. Why are we not picking them this week? Well, let's split that up a little bit. Morikawa, of course, the current PGA champion, had some putting problems out on the West Coast, changed his grip, proved us all wrong and won the workday. Since then, he's popped up and down on the board, but he hasn't quite, you know, got the whole putting thing settled and it came to head a little bit yesterday. Morikawa's game is fine. Yes. Wolf, on the other hand, is a question mark. He's withdrawn uh, from Bay Hill. He withdrew from the players. He had a 10 at the Masters and was just distraught. He has got something going on. Nobody really knows whether it's confidence, his swing, or what is it going on with Matt Wolf. But I'd never touch these teams, Diane, when there's too big a question mark. A lot of people were talking about Brooks Kepka at the Masters. I wasn't touching it. Nobody plays well with an injury. Wolf. Until we get some more answers, Diane, we are pulling them off our board. I kind of started to see this unravel for him a little bit at the Farmers Insurance Open at Tory Pines at the start of the year. And he just hasn't been back on track at all. And I really hope it happens soon. And it would be great if playing with his friend this week, they could get something going and, and it could help him kind of get back on level par. But um, yeah, we're not we're not picking them this week. The pressure will be on the Friday round, the Thursday round of best ball with Wolf. If he isn't, if he isn't not confident, if he's not confident with his golf, Morikawa can hold him up through the through the four ball competition. We're talking about one of the top thirty players in the world here, of course, that's struggling. Yeah. But in the in the alternate shot, the pressure is quadrupled because you're you only have one ball and you, there's a lot of important tee shots on this golf course. And that's going to be, that's the question mark. And that's why we pulled him off our board. Right. Well, let's get into our sizzlers. Three teams. And the first one we are big on for so many reasons. Jason Kokrak and Pat Perez. Now they're both secret golf contributors. Kokrak just got his first victory in Vegas at the CJ Cup at the end of 2020. Pat Perez finished runner up at this tournament with Jason Duffner just a couple of years ago. But the two of them together... I love to see it. Well, again, I'm going to split the team up here. Kokrak's having a great season. One, as you noted, uh, out in Vegas. He's been playing solid all year. His putting is the best thing he's got going. It used to not be his strength. And I know these two guys the best of anyone. And when Jason came on tour, both Pat and myself helped him along a little bit. And now things have changed. And Pat Perez is 130th on the FedEx Cup. He's been missing cuts by one stroke. He is totally frustrated. 
and he's going to go to this tournament and he's going to ride a hot player. And this is a team that I think this is a this is a week for Pat. I know personally he'll have all of his focus because Pat understands he's been on tour 20 years. He knows that this is a week for him to draft off Co-Crack's confidence and let him drag him into form. And this is a very, very good pick if you're thinking about some odds. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even talked about odds so far, but they're 66 to 1 as a team. So, I mean, the highest odds that we've talked about with any of the teams on the show so far. But when you look at their team stats, Birdie Average, they're fourth, and putting from 10 feet and out, we've already said that Kokrak's strength is on the greens right now. Um, they're sixth. So the numbers are good. They're such good friends that they're going to enjoy the week anyway. So we would love to see it. Well, and you've noted already that Perez has played well in this tournament. I just think opportunity knocks not every week on tour. This is a very, very perfect storm for an opportunity for Pat and and Jason for that matter. There'd be nothing better than those two guys to win this tournament. Okay, I like it. Our second team, the English team of Danny Willett and Terrell Hatton. What is it about these guys that, um, well, I mean, they're 22 to 1. I'm guessing that Hatton has like really pulled those odds down a bit. We've seen some good golf from Danny Willett recently too. Yeah, Team England right here, Diane, is, um, this is very interesting to me. Willett, the Masters champion, has been totally hot or cold in the last year or so on tour. And last week he played really well at Hilton Head. And when Willett plays well, he isn't really straight. Of course, Hatton, we know, is a straight hitter. He hasn't quite regained the form that won his first tournament over in Dubai earlier in the season. He is also a very straight hitter. These guys played a lot of golf together. This format is perfect for them. The question is, if you were laying money, Diane, would you be betting on the Aussies this week to beat Team UK or vice versa, and that might be a wager I may have to take. I would. I am very loyal to the United Kingdom, but I would. I would pick Team Aussie this week. I hate to say it, but yeah, I mean, and I like them as a team. I think that it could be one of those things where I, I just love the dynamic. I love to think of the two of them together playing golf as a team. These are two guys that I think could really get going with that as well. Yeah, they're they're opportunists. I know they, you know, I know how the UK boys think. This is a this is a chance for them to drag themselves up the money, yeah. and they'll be focused. And I look for focused teams, Diane. I look for informed teams. I look for straight hitters. All these things, and they they've got everything they need. They don't have the stats necessarily to put them at the top, but they're a very very solid team. Okay, and then our third sizzler team is only 12 to 1. We don't have any like massive odds this week. It's kind of tougher when you have these teams. We will give you some bigger odds with our dark horse picks in a few minutes. But Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler, to me, this has just got like massive, amazing drama written all over it. Well, you said it. I mean, Bubba Watson is a very long hitter. Of course, so is Scheffler. They're both slightly erratic. Scheffler's a great putter. Bubba's not a great putter. Not a great putter. But could they put it all together in a strange way? Of course they could. I mean, Bubba hits the ball so far, he curves it. I mean, there won't be a lot of strategy talking because, I mean, how do you tell Bubba where to hit it? But, you know, it's just another interesting pairing that, honestly, Diane, 
I would go watch these guys play a few holes if I was out there. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. The entertainment value is there for sure. They're number four in driving distance for the team. And you've already said that distance is important around TVC Louisiana. So excited to see them. Those are our three sizzler teams then. Jason Kokrak and Pat Perez, Danny Willett and Terrell Hatton, and Bubba Watson with Scotty Scheffler. Elk, I have one more question for you before you go because... I don't know if they're doing it this year, but the past couple of years, they've had walkout music for the guys. They've all had to pick a song for their team and they have the music blaring on the first tee. Um, what song would you typically pick? I knew after you asked who my partner was going to be, I knew this question was going to come from you. Saving it. And I don't have a good answer, but I'll post it this week. I'll, I'll, I'll make a clip of it. We'll, we'll, put a, we'll, okay. we'll clip it from you, uh, YouTube and we'll put it up. This, like is what, this is what our walk-in song would be okay. <laughs> with and, my fictitious partner. Okay. And all of your illustrations we're going to put on social media and on our YouTube as well. Um, all your drawings of all 18 holes at DBC Louisiana with some strategy as well. We are on to the dark horse picks for the Zurich, the team event on the PGA Tour. We've been talking about all the teams on our tour report so far today. And now it's time for the dark horse picks. Jay Kaplan, it's down to you and I to try and get some good picks going today. Wow, that's a lot of pressure to put on the two of us. Now, seeing this that this is a team event i do feel like you and i are a team so what's our walk-up song on the first tee um i'm like definitely an 80s metal head so i would want like aerosmith or guns and roses or poison uh-huh. or something like that alice cooper <laughs> i thought we'd do like uh Looks that kill with Motley Crue. Do you know that song? No, but I, I can tell. <laughs> I know your vibe of music, and it would kind yeah, of fit yeah. in. But yeah, we definitely need something that would fire us up. Yeah, I think so. I think hair metal for both of us okay. makes a a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> especially for you. Okay, well, we're doing these dark horse picks, and um, normally we have like some sort of reasoning behind our picks, and we do like to go with the higher odds. This week, it's kind of tricky. As we said, you know, we've amalgamated the stats for the two players in each team. And, you know, in theory, that really jumps up some guys' teams. It really brings some down. It's a complete shot in the dark for me this week, but we're going to see how it goes. Do you want me just to crack on with it? Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath to hear I- your... When we did our re-ranking, this team jumped up a huge amount of places and, you know, we have their numbers, the amalgamated stats. They are first in proximity to the hole and seventh from putting from 10 feet and out. So those two stats to me were like, great. Those guys are going to get it close. They're going to make the putts. So as long as everything else works out fine, they're not too bad. They're 33rd in distance, which we know is going to be key. But my team is Grayson Murray and Rob Oppenheim. Now, I don't have any real form to go on whatsoever. Grayson had like a top five finish in Puerto Rico this year. Robin, Rob Oppenheim, Robinheim. Robinheim. <laughs> One top 10 this season. So it's not like there's amazing form, but they're 200 to one. And I'm just banking on that being a bit of a runaway uh, tactic, which plays to their strengths. So Grayson Murray and Rob Oppenheim at 200 to one. They're my dark horse team. 
you are you have this tone that you're just searching for a reason of why you would take these two guys and to be honest with you i can totally relate i was looking at this chart and i don't know so i printed one out and i laid it on the ground and we have two cats and i just let them walk over two names and these are the guys that i came up with uh there's no really good reason for me to pick the guys that i'm gonna pick other than I think they've been on leaderboards, kind of hovering just a little bit, playing okay, and I'm counting on their uh, bro bond to pull them through this week. Um, I'm going with Chase Seifert and Matthew Naismith. Now, why? Again, Ruby walked over their name. That's right. I said oh, that was your cat's name. That's my cat. Um, Seifert actually uh, has a T3 uh, at Honda. They've both actually finished midfield yeah. in their last three or four events. So what I'm counting on is they both play consistent golf over the weekend, and they actually can do a T15 or a T10. They're 100 to 1. Their stats combined don't really blow anybody away. They're 49 uh, driving distance. Their proximity to the hole is their highest stat this week. They come in a combined 22nd. So that's a good sign. They're going to be in play. They're young guys. Um, I don't know what song they pick. I don't really care. I just want to make sure that they're top 15. Then I feel like this is a warranted pick. So if my cats think it's cool, then I think it's cool. It's it's uh, Seifert and Naismith for me. Cool for cats. That's a song. That could be a great walkout song. <laughs> Stray cat strut. <laughs> okay. Um, good. We'll go with that. And you've picked <laughs> Chase actually as your dark horse a couple of times um, mm -hmm. this season. So. And you've had Naismith, I think. Uh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I picked him as a real dark horse. I was extremely passionate about a week that he crashed and burned. So. <laughs> yes, very true. Uh, there's, there's one more dark horse pick that I, I was thinking on. It's actually you. Oh. Yeah, no, but it's you because today's your birthday oh. as we're recording this. And you're glowing. Look how much younger you look than you did oh. yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. That's nice. Yeah, birthday, birthday, birthday. Birthdays are fun, yeah. but adding on an extra year is not the best. But it's okay. Uh, who, who's counting? I do actually have another dark horse pick that kind of came to me, but I knew that you would shout at me because it's 80 to 1. But at 80 to 1, I just think there's um, good value in that for potentially a top 10 finish and it's Brant Snedeker and Keith Mitchell. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. yeah. Knew Only it. because they've definitely gone through like a real valley in their form and it's starting yeah. to turn around. Mitchell played great at the Valero Texas Open. Snedeker's been getting a lot better too. He, I mean, we know how talented Brant Snedeker is and he just went through this kind of bad stage, but his performance of late, I feel that he's coming out of it. We're starting to see hints of the old Sneds again at the Valero. So I think at 80 to one, Mitchell and Snedeker are a good little team to watch. Yeah, Snedeker's, he's just an interesting guy. It's not a new story to see a guy that was ultra successful for a period of time. And then all of a sudden you wonder like, well, what happened to that guy? Yeah. He'll be back. He's too good of a player. He's too good of a putter. I'm looking at their numbers. They're really not that bad. 
it's not a bad idea of why you didn't go with them first. I don't know, but I guess uh, since it's your birthday, uh, we'll give, this will be a gift from you to the world okay. that uh, you're giving on behalf of yourself. You so love thanks for that. Oppenheim, so don't start. You're <laughs> just mad that I picked that, picked that team and you didn't. I love well, Rob Oppen. Okay. Well, thank you very much for watching our tour report for the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. It's going to be good to watch the team again. It's just a bit of a fresh perspective when it comes to weekly golf on the PGA Tour. So we love it. Next week, the guys are back in Florida. I feel like the, the schedule's a wee bit all over the place because we've got this like mega season, but it's the Valero, not the Valero, it's the Valspar at Innisbrook near Tampa next week. So we will be back next Wednesday with our tour report. <laughs>